Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome into the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks. And you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. Please like, rate, and review the podcast on all podcast platforms. And we are coming to you live from the Hyman Services studio. I'm your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside of me is Jacob Davis, and we are brought to you by Bet Online. And football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performances, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on all your first deposits. Just use our promo code BLEAV to get you started. And it's not just basketball, Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination and bed online is the fastest and easiest wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts and Jacob, another big win for the Arkansas men's 58 to 48. And I think the biggest takeaway from me was they had a big drought there at the end. It was like a five-minute drought, scoring drought, and still won by 10. So, I mean, what was your takeaways from, from the game on Saturday? My takeaways are Arkansas stellar defense. I mean, they get after it. And Arkansas shutting down teams uh, almost, I mean, I've repeated over and over and over again, almost 10 points per ball game less I mean, Tennessee shot 27% from the field, 16% from the three-point land. Uh, Tennessee kind of edged Arkansas out uh, rebounding-wise. But, I mean, you know, they gave up a, a few second-chance uh, second points there. But, man, they were far and few between. Arkansas is looking good, man, and they're going to make a run in March. I can guarantee you that. Well, when you hold, you know, their top score to 12 points, I mean, that's huge. I mean – you had Chandler had 11, and then Ziegler, Ziegler had 12. I mean, that that's really good. Yeah. That's what you want. I mean, this time of year, you're getting wore down. It's almost time for the, the, the SEC tournament. You're looking for seeding. And, man, it's crazy to, the way everything's going. They're ending the year this year just like they did last year on that big winning streak. And so I'm very excited to see what's going on. And, and of course, you know, Jalen Williams just, I mean, his charge count's up to 40. And I don't know, I think they were saying something about they don't have the official record on who has the record for charges, but he's got to be up there. And, you know, you kind of struck some nerves with some uh, Hog fans. And and I think, you know, you, you have a right of uh, saying when the draft stocks, you know, and they're looking at these big guys who can play and – you're talking about the, the more exposure he gets and the more he, he does for Arkansas and taking those charges and scoring. I mean, it's it's not going to do nothing but go into his draft stock. I mean, he had 13 points and 16 rebounds. I mean, that, that's crazy. I don't know how many double-doubles he's got on the year. You might be able to tell me on that one. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you want when you're looking at the performance from Jalen Williams. You know, when you string together nine double-doubles in 13 games, 
Matter of fact, he hasn't had a double. He never had a double double before Arkansas went on this streak. That's what's impressive to me. The guy is gritty. He wants it. He, I mean, he's he's physical. He's a guy in the post that can shoot. His mid range game is is on point with some of the other big men. Maybe even better than some of the other big men. Uh, he can finish at the rim. There's sometimes you got you see guys miss. That's the game of basketball. But you know, I said that Jalen Williams is a guarantee NBA draft pick this season. And a lot of people say, oh, Jacob, wake up, Jacob, Jacob. Hold up, buddy. Hold on. He needs one more year. He, he, he's not ready yet. Or uh, let me see some of these tweets that uh, people were saying to me last night is, you know, he can, he can make uh, more money at NIL. League minimum is $560,000 for a single NBA player that's drafted in the second round. So he would, unless there's some people that are willing to uh, pony up and pay him $560,000 just to come back to school with a junior, he, he's going to be gone. Yeah, and the flagship come out with a tweet. I, I, I want to say it was like a month ago, and they only had given out a million to all the people, yeah. like all athletes. Yeah. So you're telling yeah. me that all of a sudden that uh, – now, I, this was before J.D. Notay's deal with the, the J.B. Hunt family and right, all that stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm sure that's going to grow, especially with what Texas A&M's doing. And it doesn't matter what the official number is, whether it's $30 million or $10 million. You're still putting it out there, and it's causing people to – where you're going to start giving more money out to these people. So – but. Yeah, yeah. A, a guy like Jalen Williams, he's not just going to get $560,000 a year to play basketball because if you're going to go in with somebody, you're going to be distributing it to different people. And, and you got to think nobody's going to give that person 560000 a whole year when your season only from November until March or hopefully yeah. April. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, but I see it. I see his draft stock going up and – a lot of it is you see this every year. People don't want, you know, Arkansas to lose their top player. But fans, we got to realize we're at the point to where we're going to start being, and we're seeing it this year. Look who you lost last year, and now look at the point where the where the team's at now. You're 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 getting this roster, and it's it's almost like you know when you're in a relationship and and you've been in past bad relationships in your walls. It's hard to bring them down, and I think that's where the fan base is. They know they're good, but that part of that wall is like, man, we can't lose him. We can't, we, we can't lose Jalen Williams next year because what's going to happen? Who's going to replace him? You forget who you got coming in yeah. next year. And fans, yeah. Arkansas basketball is going to be fine for the next four or five years to come as long as Musselman's the coach and he gets in these recruits. And so, I mean, yeah. if he goes, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's not like, you know, you lose – uh, guys like Bobby Portis or Michael Qualls, and then the next season you go 16 to 16. No, Arkansas is going to consistently win 20 to 25 games a season. You've got guys like uh, you, you've got guys like uh, Nick Smith and Jordan Walsh, Barry Dunning Jr., Darian Ford. These guys are high level basketball players, and I haven't seen a class come in this stack since the 90s. <laughs> but you know, and, and we want to see Jalen Williams come and play with these guys. Jalen Williams isn't going to play with these guys because he's the next level prospect. He what makes him different than guys like Mason Jones or an Isaiah Joe? Two guys that people said, "Oh, he's not." They're, they're, they're neither one of them are ready. Neither one of them are, are talented enough to go to the next level. They need one more year. What's the difference? What's well, the difference? Well, the only or, the only reason why Williams I has would... the tools. He's had the God given tools. Yeah. But the and I'll play devil's advocate, and this has nothing to do with okay. Okay. with what the fans want or what Jalen wants or where he's at. You got to look at who else in the league, the big men are, are, are going to be in the draft. You got the dude from Michigan, you got Holmgren, Chet, the freshman out of Gonzaga. I mean, there's two right there. So mm-hmm. it, it, it all depends. I mean, we look at. Jalen Williams might be the best, and I'm not saying this. Don't quote me on this. I'm just saying, hypothetically, he could be the best player in the nation, right? But when it comes to how many big men are going to go in the first round 
And then you've already got two for sure. The guy from Michigan, I can't know. I don't know why I can't think of his name right offhand, but the guy from uh, Gonzaga, you know, the seven mm-hmm. footer that can, I mean, he can move and shoot like no other. There's two along with all your guards. So, it, and I'm not saying that he won't go first round. I'm just saying it all depends on who is going in the first round along with uh, the other talent around the nation in the guards and the forwards, and you got the the two big men. So it just depends on team needs, and it's really hard. We've seen where we've thought people are automatically a first-round draft pick, and it ended up going to second round or third round. So, I mean, it, that's where the gamble, and that's where I think it's really awesome, Jacob, that they allow these kids to go to these combines. They allow them to get evaluated, and as long as you don't sign an agent, you can come back. I think that – that should go for every sport. Oh, yeah. You absolutely. know, that way the kid knows it's not make or break. It's giving them a chance to really fully – because when it humbles some of these kids, they, they think they're All-American. They think they're just a first-round lottery draft pick, and then they really go get evaluated by these professionals and these people who's done it for their, you know, 20, 30 years, and then they give them a draft grade. Hey, you might need another year. So I don't know enough about the scouting and what goes into – what they're looking at to say that he is a guaranteed, you know, number one draft pick or, or a first-round draft pick. So unless he gets that, then I would say, or even in second round. I mean, second-round draft picks are making really good money. So, But with, with the G League and you've seen what happened with, with Moody and Jones, you know, they're, they were draft picks and then they go to the G League. So, I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen and Jalen just keeps on getting hotter and hotter, and you never know if they make a good run in the, in the NCAA tournament, go to a Final Four, Elite Eight, he might just raise his draft stock up to a, a guaranteed first round. And, when you know, we've said it, you've said it. If you're a guaranteed first-round draft pick, bye. Enjoy it because yeah, you deserve it. Just like Burks this year in, in, in football. If you're guaranteed, you think you're going, and that's where you're evaluated, I think they have every right to say peace and, and go on to the next level. Yeah. And, and another thing I want to add, though, is what we talked about last night. This isn't – I'm not saying this because I, I feel like I know more than people and more know more than the fans just because I have a blue check mark by my name. I'm saying this because it's a reality. You could lose this guy for next season, and, and, and this could be the last you see of Jalen Williams in a Razorback uniform the next uh, six to ten games, you know. So, you know, we're just preparing y'all. Yeah, and I'm going to stick up for you for a second. And, and, and look, we're, we're doing this as evaluation. That we're, we're doing this as real talk. We're not trying to be first. We're not trying to be one of these people that if he does go, we're not going to sit here and say, well, we told you back in February, March that he was going. That's not what we're about. We, we are prepping you for the fact that he might go. He might see what's coming in next year and be like, well, you, you look at Mason Jones and his performance in the SEC play, and he was averaging 28 points a game, and he's seen what was coming in, and he's seen that his numbers could potentially drop. If his numbers drop and his production drops, his draft stock's going to drop. So he, he bolted. That's what was best for him. So, But I think the one thing that helps him but hurts him at the same time is you know, he's good on the defensive side of the ball, but he's going to have to be where he is, is a little bit quicker. You know, the, there's a big difference between college, the college pace and the NBA pace. But he's got a man right there by his side that's coached on every level. And who else would you want by your side to, to, to prep you than Eric Musselman? And the good thing about Eric Musselman is that's what he wants. He wants to prep you for the next level. He, he's, he doesn't he, – he knows – if you're ready to go to the NBA, hey, I'm going to support you and I'm going to do my best to get you there. Absolutely agree. Yeah, Musselman, he, he's one of the best. And and you trust him. And and he puts, I guarantee you, he puts his uh his players' best interest first. He wants he wants what's best for his kids. And there's no better better coach for them than than who they've got right now. Yeah, and, and you could talk but players talk. If he wasn't true to his word or things was going on behind closed doors that he he was just putting on face for these press conferences 
and, and the, taking his shirt off and doing all these shenanigans, if he wasn't producing, those kids would be saying, and he wouldn't be getting these recruits. You, you wouldn't have kids like Nick Smith Jr. trying to get, you know, Anthony Black to commit to Arkansas and come to Arkansas. You're, you, you know, these recruits are talking, hey, come play with us. Whether he comes or not, that's, you know, we'll talk about that, you know, on down the line in another podcast because, you know, he was quoted saying that, you know, he's going to wait another month to to decide. But you lose what you lose. You lose these NBA prospects. And at the beginning of the year, you didn't have NBA prospects. And now you've got two guys that have rose up and, and proven that they could potentially be NBA prospects. And then your transfers are finally gelling. They're finally getting everything together and it was a question that I posed, you know, like, you know, you get your offensive rolling. You get at the point where you're gelling offensively, and now your defense, you come together as your defense. And that's, I mean, stingy. You're holding a physical team to 48 points in the SEC. That's that's big. I mean, that's that's huge, and it's a ranked opponent. I mean, you beat LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee. I mean, when you're catching natural attention, what you're doing, yeah, two of the games were at home, but, I mean, that game on the road was was huge for them to win. So, you know, they got a, a big game coming up against Kentucky, and, you know, we'll see where, where how the rest of this season plays out. And, of course, you know, you got another matchup with Tennessee coming up. But before yeah, we move on, go ahead. And, and don't and don't forget, you got Florida on Tuesday. Yep. They just – I mean, they just uh, came out and upset Auburn, surprisingly. So, yeah. and Arkansas has only won once in Gainesville since joining the SEC, and that was back in 1995. You know, it's crazy what happens to teams, you know, like that. You you go 20-1 and one and then you lose. And it's almost like if you get humbled and, and then either teams can really pick up and and move on from that or you get shook a little bit. And I think that was part of what happened to Auburn when in the Florida game. You know, it, it, sometimes you get knocked down to reality and it's hard to, hard to come back from that. But, yeah, we'll see how everything goes. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be a tough stretch down the way. But – you're playing for seeding right now. You're playing for a five to a three seed right now. So, you know, the more gain you ground, the ground you gain on the SEC and what your seeding is and how you do in the tournament in Tampa, that's, I mean, that's a big difference between a four and a three. And we've seen what that did for them last year. Yeah. And the, the winning streak and, and the defense is what really helped them last year. And you're seeing the, you're seeing what the blueprint was for last year, and and you're seeing it put in place again this year. We thought things were about to fall apart again, and one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna trust Musselman and say, okay, it's all good. We lost three straight games. We're gonna be all right. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, that's part but of no, it. That's, that's like what I said a while ago. I mean, it's that wall. It's it's hard to bring down that wall yeah. because you're scared of bringing down that wall, and then everything really falling apart. So. But before we move on to baseball, I want to tell you about NordVPN. And what's more important than the peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you that peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the Internet, it's more important than ever to assure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all computers and devices, no matter what their operating system is. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at just $4 per month. So go to Believe and use the Believe code, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And with the baseball series, they opened up with Illinois State, dropped the first game. Kind of a few people was acting like the sky was falling in, but, you know, they ended up winning the next two games. So, seen a lot of good pitching. I mean, it, it was crazy, you know. That was one of the question marks with, with cops. You know, how were they going to replace him? And I'll tell you what, Connor Nolan come in, pitched some good innings. Jackson Wiggins come in and pitched some good innings. And Cole Ramage came in and did some really good. They lost 3-2 to two the first game, 1-5, 1-4-2. Now, their bats were still a little shaky, but, I mean, it, it's it, it's February, so I'm not going to put too much into the bats, but I was really excited that how the pitching, coming from counting on one person to get the job done and have 
you know, you gave up three, four, six, six runs in, in, in three games. So I, that was really good on the defensive side of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 27 years, Porter, since Arkansas lost a, uh, a season opening game. <laughs> wow. And that, that was, that's what was crazy was, was that, uh, that record. So people really, I understand where they came from, where the sky was falling. So that comes from no, uh, uh, no surprise to me, but yeah, the pitching really stepped up, you know, it, I like the way they, they want to hit dingers. That's cool with me. I would like to see some more base hits and stuff kind of string together some base hits and some runs, but that's stuff that they'll learn throughout the season. And that's the one thing that Dave Van Horn, Nate Thompson and, and company have, have done. They've got enough goodwill built up that they know what they have. And this Arkansas team is so talented. And I would not be surprised if they go here on out 13-game winning streak heading into SEC play. It would not surprise me a bit. Yeah. And, they, you know, Dave Van Horn is – I mean, that dude's a baller. I mean, he knows how to win. He, he's a general. You in. He's been doing this a long time, and when people say that this is the deepest that they've ever – just because your talent is deep, you've still got to go out there and gel and produce just like a new team. So, I mean, they got that whole press conference he gave about the Alabama when they thumped – Alabama thumped Arkansas, and then they just run their mouth and started – he's like, okay, I'm going to show you. It was funny. The, the funniest quote that I heard him say was, you know, I, I'm all about – the teams jumping on each other and jawing a little bit. But there's times where I'm going to turn my head and I'm going to tell my team to get after them because I've had enough. I mean, I thought that was just the <laughs> funniest thing he said was like, all right, I'm going to turn my head. You know, it's almost like, all right, go get them, boys. And then he turns around and like, okay, let's get back to business. And it's it's still, it's like an old school way and that you don't see that a lot. And you're seeing a lot of younger coaches, and they're bringing their young school ways that do. It's almost like you've got golf as a gentleman's game, and then baseball's right there below it. You know, the their rules they 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 hold the rules tight to their chest. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, a close to a gentleman's game, and those unwritten rules and things that you do and just don't do in the game of baseball to keep it pure. And you got to respect that. Yeah, I remember last year the. The old Miss pitcher, I bless his heart. I can't remember his name. But every time he would throw a strike, he would get those duck lifts out, walk around the mound like he was a, a lieutenant or something, and get back up and throw his next pitch. He'd shake up, do the little shake it off a little bit. You know, feel like, I mean, I, I know people that are listening can't see what I was doing, little shoulder bob and stuff. But, <laughs> oh, Lord, that 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 is one of my uh, – I don't know if I want to call it favorites uh, that I like uh, that I like to see, but it is kind of uh, weird. Yeah, and, and there was a lot of teams that did that happen on the diamond. You you yeah. had Carolina look yeah. at what they did to Robert Moore last year, chanting Oompa Loompa to him, then yeah, he hits a bomb on him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll show you. I'll hit a bomb on you. You know, in Tennessee, done the same thing. Twice, you know, they, you know, twice in the same game. Yeah, it's it's insane, yeah. and and that's what we're looking Tennessee. for. Tennessee, what to me wasn't as bad as the old misses in South Carolina and Alabama's. But, I mean, I feel like Vitello's more of an old-school kind of guy. They didn't get on my nerves nearly as much, but I love the the shouting match. So, uh, Vitello coming from the dugout all the way down to the uh, uh, down the third baseline, and he's hollering, and Van Horn has his mask up. And, you know, you know he's throwing something, some kind of uh, – Yeah, and that was all about recruiting. Uh, at him. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. that was all squashed. And, and here's yeah. the deal. It's almost like it's student versus teacher, yeah. you know, that, and they respect the crap. You know, down deep down inside yeah. Vitello and Dave Boyne Horn, it's almost like a teaching moment. Hey, man, yes, control absolutely. your team. Look, dude, this is, you know, and whether Vitello takes it, that's his team. That's what, you know. But yeah. Tennessee fans took it to heart like he was talking about Tennessee rent-free when he was talking about the Alabama series. But you, you it, it's still your teaching because guess what? Ten years yeah. down the road when Vitello's still at Tennessee, he's got a good program. He's going to remember that. But what really irritates me about the Tennessee, and I, I again, devil advocate, let Tennessee do something and, and be a respectable program in the SEC and do something year in and year out, and then you can act like that. Ole Miss has challenged Arkansas. Mississippi State's challenged Arkansas. All these teams have challenged Arkansas. 
And here comes this up-and-coming team that hasn't done much in years, and now all of a sudden you, you win a game. And, and just because the coaches have familiarity, now we're going to start a rival, which I love it. I want the rivalry. I wish they'd be playing each other this year, but they're not. But just act like you've been there before. And to grab your jock and at the dugout and all that stuff, that's uncalled for. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's funny. It's cool. But yeah. yeah, but don't get blasted the next game and then get beat again in the SEC tournament. So, I mean, it, it makes for good baseball. It's what we want. It's excitement. But it's still like I want to see that from a respectable program, like if it was a Mississippi State or Ole Miss, because that's just – there's always that hatred because you're always playing each other and it's always close. It's a close series. Where's Tennessee been in the last – couple years you know what I'm saying that that's what irritated me about it yeah and anytime that I've talked any word about Tennessee this week then Tennessee fans they're like vultures they they want any kind of word any kind of bad bad thing or any negative thing that's said about Tennessee Tennessee fans will be right in your mentions and uh man I had this one guy during the basketball game yesterday every tweet I said he said oh, there's nothing like homerism in the media or there's <laughs> nothing like uh I said something about, uh, man, Adis Tony was running on the court and ha- he had uh, the Tennessee defender pull his hand when he was going up for a layup. And uh, Dame Bradshaw said, oh, that's a good, clean block. And I said, my rear end, that was a good, clean block. <laughs> the guy, the Tennessee fan, came on there and he, he said, you need to learn the rules of basketball. I said, son, I've been playing basketball since I was probably your age. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, and they said, were, I mean, that's the thing. They, they sat there and complained about the refs the whole time. Yeah. I mean, both sides were doing it. And that's yeah, the thing. Oh, you're you're going to get used to it. it I mean, yeah. after the game, you know, they were talking about Jalen Williams and how, you know, he, he, he likes to kind of sift in there at the right time when they go up for the floaters and draw the charges. So, I mean, it, it's, it's part it's of all, the game. It's part of the game. And, and he yeah. even admitted that he told his guys, when you scout for a guy, hey, when you go up for this jumper, he's going to try to slide in there. So, but you got to jump vertically up instead of trying to lean in. So, but yeah, the baseball team they head to the Round Rock Classic. They got to play Indiana, Stanford, and Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns down there in Round Rock, Texas. So that's going to be interesting. And then afterwards, I mean, you play Omaha, Southeastern, UIC, Grambling before you start uh, SEC play against Kentucky. So. You know, the schedule is going to get a little bit easier, but with this classic down there, you know, Indiana, Stanford, and Louisiana, it's going to be good games. So, but next we got a little women's sports rundown before we finish up our first segment. And the, the women basketball team, I mean, it was just, I mean, they hyped up this game for Amber, and I really felt bad for her because, I mean, the crowd showed out, man. The eighth best crowd ever. It was 82. 179, I believe, was the final number. 8269, yeah. eighth all time. And I was at the game for a little bit. I was hopping back and forth between the softball, Razorback Invitational, and the, the women's basketball game. And man, it was just an electric atmosphere. And I wish that, you know, things would have went differently. But man, I'm telling you what, Kentucky's Ryan Howard. I mean, I know Kentucky is a team, their record isn't as good as they've been. But I mean, she came out, scored 29 points. I mean, and from the get go, was just bombing threes. I mean, this she's tall, can go inside, can take it off the dribble and shoot, and she just what I. It was almost like it was her night, you know. And she come out and ready to play, and Arkansas could just not recover. And of course, you know, it was Michaela Daniels' first game back from injury, get back in the starting lineup. But this team's got a big stretch coming up. You got to play three games in five days. You got to play. You got to play Ole Miss on Tuesday. You got a game Thursday, and then you got a game next Sunday, and then finish up against against Mississippi State, and then go into the SEC tournament. So I'm telling you what, Jacob. I mean, they're six and seven right now, and it's very important. Their goal is to get to eight and eight because they're trying to get away from that eight nine game in the NCAA tournament. And Amber Ramirez, she ended up having 12 points tonight, or 18 points, I believe. But it's just the start off and have the year that they've had, and you really want to do have a better outcome for Amber, you know, because it is her senior year. She come back, and you want to get a better seed going into the um, NCAA tournament. And last year, if, if COVID wouldn't have been around, I mean, they would have ended up hosted. They would have hosted. That's how good they were, you know. So, but, yeah, they got – so they got Ole Miss, Georgia, Mississippi State to end the season. Three more games. And then they go to the SEC tournament. And they're trying to get away from that Wednesday game. Of course, you don't ever want to play on the Wednesday game. 
you want to play Thursday because, I mean, you don't want to play four games Wednesday, Thursday. Well, that'd be five games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But, no, it, it was a good turnout. I mean, they had the pink shirts play for K and then the 23 for 23. They tried to get – they were wanting 69, 67, 6900, and they got 82. So, I mean, it was really cool for the women's basketball team. And you had uh, Chelsea Dungey in the crowd, you know, and a lot of the old school players that come. So, it, it was a really good experience. Yeah, I've seen the uh, couple of the videos you sent me. Was I mean that was impressive, and, and I they deserve it. The game. Yeah, they deserve it, and I think they should get at least that. I mean, six to seven, eight thousand fans each night. My neighbors' teams, they they are scrappy, and even though I mean this this game was built up. I mean, mm-hmm. but Ryan Howard has eaten Arkansas's lunch for for a while now. I mean, she is she is a great player, tremendous kid. And, you know, sometimes when it's your night, it's your night. And when you're on, you're on. Yeah. And we've seen it. I mean, it's any, it's any sport, man. It's whether it's men's or women's, it doesn't matter. If, if a kid gets on and hot, I mean, I remember seeing Jody Meeks back in uh, Kentucky back in 06, 07 and uh, Arkansas, they had won like a bunch of games in, in men's and strung, strung several games together in a row. I think it was the 08 season with John Pelfrey and Jody Meeks just came in and just, dominated and had the most points in uh, in Fayetteville history. I mean, that's the most points Arkansas had ever given up. So, I mean, there's some nights that, you know, your opponent's just going to have a kid that has a huge game, and that's what we saw today. Yeah, and then the softball team opened up their Razorback Invitational, and they played against Illinois, Western Illinois, Wichita State, and Longwood, and they ended up going 4-1. and one. The only loss was today against uh, Illinois, which they were up 6-2, and Illinois come back and scored – Yep. Four runs in the final inning of regulation, and then they went to extra innings, and then they ended up winning eight six. But other than that, I'll tell you what: this team is exciting to watch. I mean, the other, I mean, the pitching is going to be a concern because they're really having to rely on Mary Half a lot this year and this early in the season. So I'm kind of, if you want me to ask me my one concern about what's going on, and you know, that could really hurt them going on down the road, it, it would be the the, the pitching situation. They do have some really good pitching, Delcy and Bloom, and, you know, with, with Mary Half. But Mary Half's really kind of come in two times in one game, I think twice, to try to um, save it. And, you know, it worked out the first time, and then she come in this time and, and give up six runs, and Illinois just kind of teed off on her a little bit. But you know how it is. It's just like baseball. You're not going to win every game. You're not going to win every series. So, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the bats were on fire. And I want, I want to bring up one of the transfers, and that's KB Sides. Had inside the park home run. She's got like 12 stolen bases already this year. I mean, this girl can fly. I mean, she can move flat out move around the bases. And I, and, and Danielle Gibson, the, the senior, you know, she's been that leader. And when we we're talking on the, pro, uh, the press conference with Coach Stifel, you know, to have somebody this early in the season step up and be that leader and really cement yourself as the team leader this early is really beneficial to them. Really teaching because you got people that are six year seniors and then you got freshmen. You got 23, 24 year olds and then you've got 18 year olds. That that age gaps. And, and that's another thing with the other sports we ain't even thought about. I didn't think about until I was talking about right now. You know, you got guys out there 22, 23 years old trying to mess mm-hmm. with 18 year olds. You know, it's a big gap. So, but I was very proud of them. I got to go watch the game today and, and, just watch the team play and the pitching and just the hitting. I mean, it was crazy how just how far they're coming and, and together. And I'm a very that's another program I'm excited for next year when that number one recruiting class comes in. So it's it's gonna be a, a good time. If you can't, man, and, and, and what we do on here, man, we we're talking about the attendance for the women. I mean, go, I was very proud. This will be my final 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 thought before we – I'll pitch it over to you before we wrap up segment one. But yeah. I, I want to give a shout-out to the fans, man. And this is all around. This is not just the women's sports. I mean, you had 10,000 at the baseball game, 31 for the series. You had the softball, Razorback Invitational, that uh, crowd was amazing for that. And then you still had 82-69 for the women's basketball game, all in the same day. So big shout-out. Uh, to the fans that proves once again that this is the best fan base in all of college sports because you, you didn't have to show up. And I'm telling you, when I walked up to the stadium, Bud Walton Arena, and the lines were stretched out to the streets, you know, the students were having a, a little tailgate. I mean, that was special to me. And then have the, all the fans in the stands still coming in halfway through the first quarter. 
I mean, that was that was the biggest crowd I've ever seen in, in three years of covering the team. So I really want to give a special shout-out to the fans for for showing up for these programs all weekend. Yeah, so uh, I was looking at the stats real quick so far this season. i tell you what, Danielle Gibson, she is on fire. She, guess what her uh, uh, hitting average, batting average is right now? I want to say 462. 542. That's amazing. Thir- 13 hits on 24 at-bats. Seven RBIs, three doubles, two home runs, and four, uh, let's see, and I think she's only struck out three times out of the 24 at-bats. Yeah, Hannah Gamble's another one. Uh, Ellsworth, yeah. Taylor Ellsworth is another one. Casey, me, uh, I mean, they've just, me, I mean, their yeah. roster is loaded. If you, yeah, if you go down the roster, I mean, it, it's crazy. The, the, the amount of Sam Torres, the amount of sticks they have top, Hannah McEwen, I mean, it's it's yeah. they're dangerous, and if they get going, I mean, you, you've seen today they won fifteen to three. I mean, it, they were down yep. two to nothing, and then they end up winning fifteen to three. So it's very good. Corey yeah. Duff has really done a good job getting this offensive going, and and like I said, if they get the pitching to where they got their two and three pitchers coming in like their offense, I'm telling you, Jacob, they're going to Oklahoma City. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're on pace to to do it. I mean, they have the bats to get hot at the right time too. You have Gamble. Who has twelve RBIs on the season at seventeen at bats? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and she has four a, a team leading four home runs in seventeen at bats. That's one almost every four at bats. That's crazy. Power. Yeah. Well, speaking of softball, after the break, we got Sydney Pard Lee coming up in segment number two. So, Jacob, that, that we go over the softball program and just everything that she's been doing. You know, with her her. It, business and her enterprise she's got going on. Yeah, I want to bring up uh, McCoy Tiger Drug, too, before we get out of here. Uh, McCoy Tiger Drug Store, Sheridan, Arkansas, has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They are also 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only will fix you up with your prescriptions with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call, 870-942-5121. And that will do it for segment one. Up next in segment number two, we have Sydney Parr, a former standout of Arkansas Razorbacks. Catch us after the break. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Are you ready to tackle your to-do list without getting your hands dirty? Then it's time to call Heinemann Services in Springdale. Corey and his team specialize in A to Z home repair, in-home transfer, We welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast, and now we will go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline, and we bring in Sydney Parley, former standout at Arkansas softball, and really want to appreciate your time on and coming on the podcast. Well, I just appreciate you bringing me on. I've been so excited, um, just stoked about being on with you today. Um, just so thanks again for asking me. Hey, no problem. You know, when when we started really doing the women's sports and seeing how everything's going with every program, you know, you look at Chelsea Dungy and the basketball program and toll free, and then what Poda Jill and, you know, they've done for the soccer program. You can't look at the softball program and, and the foundation and what's been going on. If, and you're not mentioned in that. So again, I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much. And there just have been so many powerful women uh, come across the Razorback Athletics. And so I appreciate uh, that right there. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's, you know, talk about, you know, what, I mean, the magical year last year. I mean, who really seen it coming and, and just from being on the inside, you playing for Coach Stifel and you being a part of that program for so long. I mean, a, a lot of the outsiders just didn't see the success, but what, was it, one, was it a surprise to you seeing just how they kind of blew up and took the nation by storm last year? No, not at all. And, you know, playing for the program for four years and just seeing just the inside of the program and Coach Stifel, how great she is as a coach and just a woman in general and how she facilitates everything along with the rest of the coaching staff, Coach Michael, Coach Yo, Coach Smith. Um, they're just a class act. And um, it, it, it did not shock me whatsoever. And then the talent that the team had last year, um, I mean, just the girls are phenomenal. They all are hardworking, um, just students of the game. They just really, the thing that I love to see is how relentless and also fearless they were. Um, so being a former athlete, playing for that coaching staff, it every game that I watched and then building up to the end of the season with the postseason, um, really sometimes I got emotional in points because it was just such a beautiful season um, and did not shock me at all knowing the coaching staff and the caliber of players that they had last season. Yeah, I remember watching that LSU game when they clinched the regular season, and, and I was talking to Coach Dipel, and uh, when she was having that post-game interview with the, NC, or the SEC Network, and I was like, you could see her looking at the team, but she was trying to focus on the, the interview, and I said, Coach, was that one of the most – the interviews where you're just trying to get out of the most – she was like, oh, I couldn't wait to take the headset off. And just that moment that was captured with her going and finally celebrate with her team and one of the most humble people I've ever met because she don't want to take any credit for herself. She got coach of the year and she's like, no, staff of the year. So, I mean, I think that's really important with the culture inside that program when you have someone humble as she is. Oh, yes. And the culture is just so strong. You know, the coaching staff does a great job. Um, the athletes are more than just athletes. They're people. They're women. And I think that just what's what makes the program wholesome and quality. Um, and Coach Stifel, she's extremely humble. But let me tell you, playing for that woman um, and that coaching staff, you know, as athletes, we work extremely hard from early in the morning until late at night. But that coaching staff, they work just as hard, if not harder, for the athletes to be the best that they can be. And when I played the best that, you know, I could be, um, just the time that they put in and the dedication and who they are as a coaching staff. And um, it, it's, it's really incredible. And unless you go day to day with them, I know as an outsider, you with the success and how they play the game and how they handle things, you know, you can think a lot of them, but being an insider and have had played for that coaching staff, I, it's, it's really indescribable. And I want to ask you since, I mean, you're, you're now out of the program, but you were there, like I said, that foundation center. And I want to really bring in the whole university into this question. And I've asked a lot of people this. What does it mean to you seeing how from top to bottom, Hunter Juracek, coaches, everybody supports the women's programs just as much as they do the football program and just how much it grows and seeing Sam Pittman at the games. What for women who play and you look up and see your 80 year, AD there. What, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean now looking back that I was a part of that? It's incredible. And Hunter Yurchak, I could sit and tout him um, all day, every day. He, as a just person, is incredible. What he's done as an AD in his short time there at Arkansas, um, he just has such a vision. And the way that he has developed the athletics and the athletic department, um, he just is a class act and has done an incredible job. Um, and seeing the support, you know, baseball, basketball, football, those are the three main, you know, driving sports to any athletic department, to any university. But the way that they support female athletics and the success that the female athletics has, um, it just speaks volume. And it starts at the top with Hunter Yurchek. You know, I remember being an athlete and um, him coming to our practices. And it just wasn't once in a blue moon. 
he was there often and was very, you know, involved in, you know, our practices. And I sat on the student athlete, sat the SAC committee, um, and he would have the SAC committee over to he and his wife's home. And we would have dinner and he would interact with us. And all of that plays a part behind the scenes, but plays a part on how the teams go out and they compete on the field. Um, so he just is a class act. I think so highly of him. You know, I'm from the state of Arkansas. I am, you know, an Arkansas girl through and through. And I've seen all of, you know, the years of the Razorback athletics and the different ADs. And um, he just does it right from, you know, every aspect. He does it right. Um, and to touch on, you know, the support of the female athletics, I think it's very, I'm not going to say very rare, but it's sometimes a rarity that the female athletics are praised um, and supported as much as Arkansas supports them. You know, every women's team up there, basketball, soccer, volleyball, track, um, softball, all of it, they're all successful, the gym backs. Um, and they compete at a very high level and to have that support and knowing, you know, when I played to have that support, it just makes the experience that much more special. Um, I remember after the, you know, softball games that we would win and when we're calling the hogs, looking around and seeing, you know, out behind the outfield in the stands packed with people um, to have that support. It just means so much. And the state is already unique in itself. Um, but to have that support and to fit to feel it and to be able to thrive off of it um it's just so meaningful yeah and you, you touched on a good point I mean a lot of schools like your UConn's and Tennessee's South Carolina women's basketball you got it in one sport here and there and then your softball programs like OU and out west you know UCLA and Cal but to have it in every single sport I mean people are at the gymnastics meets they're at the softball games they're at the soccer games and not hundreds and thousands and I, I had a chance to go watch the Alabama series just see the berm full not full of fans but little girls in their yeah. softball uniforms with Bogle Bombers signs I mean that to me meant a lot to me because you know the players as college athletes you get to see these kids as you were growing up playing softball and who you looked up to now they're looking up to y'all Right. And, you know, going back to calling the hogs after a game or even during a game playing, you know, you're once in those little girls shoes uh, dreaming and, you know, aspiring to be a lady Razorback to get to wear that uniform and get to play softball um, and to see them in the stands with their dads and their families. Uh, it, it's really it's really, truly special. And, you know, for a lot of athletes, that's that's your why. That's why you play. I know that was a big part of my why whenever I played, um, because I was that Arkansas girl at a very young age going to the Razorback games, you know, aspiring, just dreaming to be able to be on that field and represent the state of Arkansas. Um, and so it's it's really special, to say the least, really special. So what, what is it like when you were looking through social media and you've seen that Coach Dyfel had wrapped up the number one 2023 recruiting class? Like something that – and I'll I got the chance to talk to every single one of the recruits. I've done a special feature on it. And five, six years ago, there was people who didn't even know Arkansas had a softball program. And for them to have the number one recruiting class, I mean, what, what was going through your mind when you're like, they just wrapped up the best recruiting class in the nation? <laughs> well, first of all, I just was freaking ecstatic. And I remember one recruit in particular, whenever I saw that Arkansas had secured her, um, I texted Coach Dyfel and I was like, let's go. And then when I saw <laughs> the number one recruiting class, um, you know, just seeing the way that the programs progressed through the years, but more so when Coach Dyfel became head coach. Um, and just the way that she's developed the program and has really put the team on the map. Um, I, just kudos to her and everything that she's done because she has put Arkansas softball on the map. You know, you're exactly right. Um, quite a few years ago, you know, so if you were to say NCAA softball, collegiate softball, Arkansas would not be a team that would come to someone's mind. Well, now it does. And, you know, even outside of the fans within the state, like people are tuning in across the country into Arkansas softball um, and the way that they're competing throughout the season. Um, so when I saw that number one recruiting class, I'm like, oh, baby, it's just going to keep getting better from here. Yep. And 
talk about too, in addition to just how incredible Coach Stifle is and the coaching staff, the facilities that we have to offer and the atmosphere and everything that goes into playing for the Arkansas softball program, I feel like it's unmatched. And now moving on to this year, I mean, Coach has said, you know, this is probably the most talented team she's ever had. And how hard is it, do you think, for those girls, the expectations of last year to really kind of, all right, now we're not the underdog no more. Now we have this SEC championship, regular season championship on our back. Everybody's going to give us our best shot. So what, what is one of your expectations for this year and just how good, what's the ceiling for this team? Oh my gosh, I, I don't think that there is a ceiling because the talent is that good. Um, the girls are that good and a portion of them I played with and I know how they work and I know how they operate. I know what the mentality is like, um, you know, amongst the girls and the coaching staff. And it's that, you know, enough's not enough. And they were SEC champions last year. Well, we expect the same thing this year and and then some, you know, where we were last year, we expect to even exceed that. And that's just the mentality. And that that's what makes the program great. And, um, you know, I, in, in their minds, there's no pressure. You know, it was a great accomplishment that they had last year and they want even more this year. Yeah, and it, it doesn't, you know, hurt that you get to start off your season playing in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, either. And I, I don't know if you got to experience anything like that, but I mean, I'm like, we, we're, is there a media pass for that? You know, I was trying to get on a plane to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, my junior season, that was the first year that we went to Puerto Vallarta. And, you know, I texted Coach D and I texted Andrew. He's the athletic trainer. And, you know, he doesn't get mentioned enough, but he plays a huge part in that program. Um, he's the athletic trainer, but he's even more than that. And he just plays a really intricate role on that team. Um, but with that being said, I texted him and I said, you know, have the best time. That was still by far the best memory. I, one of the best memories I've had playing for you all um, because, you know, they they do it right. They take the team out on an excursion and um, just to be in Puerto Vallarta and be a part of that culture, you know, it's different. They have the locals come and they come up to the field and they watch the games. And, you know, as you walk outside of the field, there's people that have set up stands with mangoes and, uh, you know, they're making tacos. It's just a really cool place to be able to travel to and play and experience that. And, and no better way to, than to kick off your season in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was a little jealous. But I wanted to ask you, you're talking about, you know, because a lot of times that the head coach is the one that gets the shine and all the publicity and stuff. But how important do you think it is that, one, she's kept this staff intact, but yet she treats – every single one of them, like it's a family. And when you're building a program, what's the significance of that when you're trying to become a successful SEC team? Right. Well, you know, the biggest thing in Coach Diefel, I just like you said, she spoke to this. You know, she's the leader and she is a fearless leader and just incredible. But the whole staff, um, they all – just with the way that they coach, who they are as people, um, it, it just shows with the success that they've had. Um, but being a family, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, the thing that I miss the most, but it's what makes the program so good is, you know, softball, that's the reason why they're there, but it's more than that. They're a family. And when I was there and they still are my family and, you know, that's, that's a, a big reason as to why they've been successful because that's part of the culture. Um, it's not just what can you go out there on the softball field and do for me? It's, you know, yes, that, but we also care about who you are as a person, how you're developing as a person, where you're going to be when your eligibility is exhausted. What are you going to do in the next, you know, step of your life? And, you know, they're there to win, but they're also there because, you know, they're wanting to, uh, you know, shape strong, independent women. Um, and so, you know, it's a family very much so, even the activities outside of practice. Um, they do things around Halloween and Christmas and, you know, group dinners where each class goes around and eats at um, each coaching, um, you know, coach's house. Um, and so they do things like that. You know, just really the camaraderie is great. 
and how your your career kind of ended with with COVID and stuff. Just how tough was that? You know, I mean, when you play softball your whole life, you get to college. You know, you're in your senior year, and for everything to kind of go the way it did, just kind of take me through that and and just the mentality of you know everything kind of just shut down, and then you know you have to figure out what's your next step. Right. Well, this, the, my senior year, whenever COVID hit, we were off to a hot start and we truly felt like we were going to make it a very long way that season. We had our extremely talented team um, and just had worked extremely hard and then COVID hit. And, you know, the thing is, is obviously my perspective is different now that it's been two years ago than what it was then. Um, it was hard, but, you know, it was also bigger than sports. It was um, a worldwide wide um, issue. And at the moment, I hated it. I hated that the season ended um, and that I wasn't going to get another go at it. I was granted my extra year of eligibility, but I had graduated that spring. Um, and with there being so much uncertainty going into that next school year, um, I made the decision not to go back for my fifth year. But for me personally, you know, it's hard when you've played this sport your entire life. It's been something that you have constantly grinded at, you know, you're trying to perfect your craft. Um, it, it's really one of the main focuses of your life. Um, and I just shifted. I didn't go back to my fifth for my fifth year. And I shifted that passion that I had for the sport as an athlete. And I created my own uh, business, Sydney Par Player Development. And I just started pouring all of my knowledge and my passion into these young females that I have now had the privilege of working with for two years. Um, and the hard work that I had put in as an athlete individually, I was putting in that hard work into these young women, um, you know, just to give back to them and to help them be the best that they can be on and off the field. So it was hard not to have that family, not to have the coaches, the girls as a constant in my life, because the coaching staff. I mean, they are family to me. The, my teammates, they were like my sisters. They are my best friends. And so to have that piece missing, um, it's still hard to be able not to go out on the field and to compete and, you know, to have that adrenaline rush and, you know, to be able to lay it all out on the line and to be an athlete, you know, that's something that's always going to be a part of me. But again, once I stopped playing, I just shifted my perspective and I just shifted and started pouring into the younger generations. Um, and, you know, for the state of Arkansas, it's a great state. It's a great state for softball, but it's taken just a little bit of time to get going. So I've been really blessed and really fortunate that for the past two years, I've been able to give back to the state um, and work with just a outrageous number of, you know, young female athletes through individual lessons, camps, clinics, um, and just to be able to pour into them and give back. It's, it's really been special. And also, you know, you, you, along with Dorian and Kraft got to call some state championship games and how cool is that you're playing, you know, you play in Arkansas's high school and now you're calling state championship games or just what that, what's that experience been like for you? Right. Well, for starters, Dorian, she, I think so highly of her. She is just a very powerful woman. Um, I admire the work that she does and how invested she is in the you know, the sporting arena and also female athletics, but, and she and I have gotten close and have created a friendship. So that's been great. But to be able to call those, those games with PBS for the Arkansas um, softball state championship games, it was special. Um, you know, a few years ago, and it, it's been quite a few years now that I'm getting older. When I played at North Rock high school, we didn't have that. Um, you know, we won three uh, state championships back to back to back. And to be able to play at Bogle and have that experience, it was incredible. But our games weren't televised. And I'm so happy to see that they are now and that there's a way for the state of Arkansas to tune in to those state championship games. 
Um, and it just adds another dynamic, right? So a lot of girls, they're not going to go on to play collegiate softball. They're, they're done playing when high school ends. And to be able to have that experience of, oh, I'm playing on TV, you know, my game's televised. It's, it's really cool that they get to have that. Um, and then also just being up in the box, being the analyst and Dorian being the play by play and being a team, uh, calling those games. It was awesome. Uh, you you kind of get like flashbacks from whenever you were playing in those high school state championship games. And I remember Dorian and I going down on the field before the games to interview some of the coaches and, you know, the players just to be able to have some color um, and just to see those girls, how excited they were. And some teams came in with funky hats and um, just to see how, you know, pumped up they were to be there. And uh, it just brings back really good memories. But it's really good to see that that's provided to the softball teams in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, and both y'all y'all made an excellent team because, I mean, y'all both had softball experience. I mean, it, it's really cool. Not only you're, you're throwing women who've played softball, you know, in high school and stuff, but to play collegiate softball. So it's really cool, you know, to see, you know, that competition you know, competitiveness and the, the professionalism, because we had Dorian on on a podcast uh, last year just talking about that, you know, being able to just the, I guess, the adversities that females in sports. And I guess that's really what started my drive for this, because you see from a different aspect what females, when they get into journalism and the sports side of it, what they go through being an athlete, that the male sports and the male journalists, they they don't deal with. Right, exactly. And the industry is hard enough as it is. Um, and, you know, to be a female at times trying to get into the industry, it's hard. It's hard to break into. Um, but being a former athlete, you know, I see on ESPN, there's more females um, sideline reporting, working as anchors, being on talk shows. And it's great to see because they bring a completely different perspective. Um, and also female athletes, um, you know, that are in the industry that at one point played, they're all very dynamic because they've been there, they've played it, they've experienced it, they know what it's like. Um, so whenever they're, you know, commentating games, they're on the talk show, whatever the case is, they just bring a completely different perspective. So we'll, we'll end this with two questions. And, and the first one is, all right. Five, ten years down the road, you get to go back to Bogle, and they have a, a ceremony. You know, when you get to step back on that field, you know, what's going to be the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about your playing days at Arkansas? Oh, boy. That might be a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. You know, there's a couple of things. I, um, I think – you know, something that I'm going to flash back to is just being down on the softball field, but through different phases of my life. So starting with when I was in middle school and I'd go to camps and then high school winning three state championships on that field and then in college competing within the SEC at the highest level with incredible teammates and an incredible coaching staff. Um, just all of those memories. But I, I think, too, whenever I look at the field and, you know, whenever I'm there, whether that be present or years down the road, um, just all of that, what went into, you know, shaping me into the woman that I, you know, I am now or I will be in the future because that program and that coaching staff played a huge part in that. Um, the university, the athletic department. So I think it's maybe not for me flashing back to moments down on that field, but more so how much that program and how much the university gave me um, in return of being a, a student athlete. And we'll finish up with your company. I'll, you know, tell people, you know, what all you do, where they can find you. If they're interested, they have a girl that wants to, to join up, you know, where can they find you and what all, what all do you offer at your facility? Right. So I currently am working for a sports agency, Frontline Athlete Management. Um, and I've really enjoyed my time there getting to be in the baseball industry and the agency side of things. And then my business is Sydney Par Player Development. I give lessons four days a week in the evening times. Um, I give 
about roughly 45 girls individual lessons per week and then I also travel around the country and the state of Arkansas putting on camps and clinics for teams organizations people who want me to come and open up a camp to the public so I am very out there on social media that's where I really promote my business um, all of my social media handles are Sydney Park um, and then I have my new last name, Sydney Parr Lee, on some of my social media handles. But that's the best way to reach me is direct message me and ask me for a lesson. Ask me to come do a team camp or a clinic. Um, I give my individual lessons at Playball Arkansas in Maumelle. Um, That's where I'm at. And so that's a little bit about my business. And, you know, I think for my business, the thing that makes it so unique is I'm working to help girls excel on the field um, and to grow and be the best that they can be within the sport. But I'm also trying to instill and working to instill qualities in these young females to be the best that they can be as people um, and to be individual, you know, powerful women. I think that's what drove me to want to bring you on. I've seen your post, seen the girls and, and, seeing what you did at Arkansas and now seeing the girls' lives you could possibly change and get them into softball. And we, first of all, it's, it was an honor to have you on. We really appreciate you coming on and we wish you nothing but the best of luck in, in your, you know, getting these girls ready. And hopefully one of them will be at Bogle Park playing for the Hogs one day. <laughs> well, they all, <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that. I just appreciate you having me on. Um, I admire the good work that you do and how much you support women's athletics and athletics as a whole. And I think a lot of you and uh, your podcast. So thank you so much for having me on. Hey, you're welcome. Any, you're welcome. Anytime we'll promote your business and we'll, we'll get some more girls in your facility. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Well, that will do it for episode 235 of the Hog Talk podcast. Remember to find us on all podcast platforms and we are presented to you by bet online.